What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Locked On Bucks. First episode of the new year. Happy New Year to everyone. And the Bucks started it with a big win over the New Orleans Pelicans. We're going to break that down. We're going to talk about the potential of Drew Holiday being an all-star this year in the East. And is Giannis having an MVP caliber season? I think the answer is yes, but where does it stack up compared to some of the other stuff he's done over previous years? So we're going to hit on all that in today's show. So let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show daily and also find my work over at ESPN. And joining me, as you can see, in his comfortable Sunday evening chair, as he often is on Locked On Bucks, it's Justin Garcia from the Bucks Radio Network. Uh, we are recording this uh, during, I believe, the fourth quarter is about the start in the Green Bay Packers game. I'm looking outside here in Australia. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's actually very warm, maybe a little bit too hot. Uh, this game looks painful watching these players out on the field. I, I've been to Lambeau a few times, Justin. Uh, the last time I went there, I thought there was a chance I was going to lose both my legs. I was that cold. So I, th- that's one thing that I'm not exactly uh, missing about Wisconsin is is that weather. No, yeah, it's um, it's getting cold this week, and it's uh, supposed to be nasty. Yeah, it's supposed to be in the uh, negative degrees here in the next couple of days. So uh, you. You're not missing much this time of year. All right. So as far as the Bucks go, like I said, it's, uh, they kicked off or tipped off the new year with a big win over the Pelicans, 136 to 113. Uh, kind of crazy that they scored 136 points in this game because the first seven or eight minutes, uh, you could tell that uh, maybe the players are just wearing off the New Year's Eve celebrations or whatever they did. I'm not sure. Um, but it was a, a rusty start to this game. But then they really kicked into gear. And we should just start talking about Giannis. A massive triple-double. We know he had the one triple-double already this season that we weren't actually aware that he had until after the fact. He got this one in real time. We saw it. Uh, a nice dish to Grayson Allen. 36 points, 15 rebounds, 10 assists. I believe that was the count there. Anyway, uh, just a ridiculous line for Giannis. You were there firsthand. Uh, what did you take away from this performance? I know you had a couple of stats up your sleeve in particular that I found interesting. No, it was just uh, a typical Giannis performance where you just kind of take it for granted, where you look up at the scoreboard all of a sudden and you're like, holy cow, he's he's up to that many points and he could have a triple-double. Um, what, what we were talking about before we started recording, all 10 of his assists led to three-pointers. And, I mean, I would assume that has to have happened before in 75 years of the league, but still, it, it's – Still incredible, and that's probably the first time in Bucks history that that has happened where you have a triple-double and all 10 assists are on threes. But just the stat line overall and how it kind of speaks to his, I guess, dominance that we take for granted, 36 point or 35, uh, 16, and 10, it is the first time in his career he's ever had a 35, 15, 10 stat line, and only the fifth time in Bucks history we've seen it. It's only the 52nd time in NBA history that you see what he did and you're like, well, he has to have done that before. And then you see 
no, never done it before, and it's only happened 50 times in 75 years in the league. Yeah, he. Uh, I one of the one stat line that I I thought was interesting. This is one that Frank was uh, chasing or keeping an eye on for a long time. That I still don't think that he has done it. You might know, Justin, or certainly our listeners will let us know straight away. Was the 30 20 10 uh, the perfectly yeah. uh, you know declining triple double? I don't know how you describe that, but anyway, that would be a really cool stat line. I don't think he's got that though. No, I don't think so. But yeah, I've, I've seen Frank just opining for that a couple. Of, he's come close a couple yeah. of times. But I don't think he's he's gotten that because the the 2020s he's been in the 20 for those 20 rebound games. So I think he had like 28 in one of those games. But yeah, I, to my knowledge, he's never had a 30, 20, 10. But that's just another thing where he's gonna have it, and then we'll look at the box score afterwards. Like, man, this has got to be like the third time he's done this. Like, oh, he's never done it before. Yeah, well, uh, just on the the ten assists all being to three pointers as well. And when you talk about the history of the game and how long it's been, sometimes these like uh, statistical milestones, you think, well, it would have had to have happened. But the three pointer, maybe not as regularly as you would have thought, because you can wipe out fifty years of that, even probably longer. Where there yeah. were, even if you only go back fifteen, twenty years, teams were only averaging ten total three point makes, if that. Uh, if it, that, I was going to say they're averaging like 10 attempts a game for right. a long time. Exactly right. So that would be actually a pretty unique stat uh, to chase up there. But on the entire season now, he's averaging 27.8 points, 11.6 rebounds, 5.9 assists. He's getting you a steal, almost two blocks. He's the only player in the league that is averaging 25, 10, 5, 1, and 1. So the five main statistical uh, you know, counting stats there. So he's the only player in the league above those uh, above that, those marks. If you remove the blocks, then Jokic comes into the calculation. He gets his fair share of steals, but not exactly a rim protector. Nikola Jokic, if you... Uh, so those two are the only guys that have the points, rebound, steals, the so 25, 10, and 5 in the league. And then if you remove the assists and just have the points and rebounds, then it's only Joel Embiid that is added to that list. So I, as I was going through that, I actually did think or expect that there was going to be more names than that. But you're really looking at the two... Uh, the two MVPs of the previous seasons, Giannis and Nikola Jokic, when it comes to just purely counting stats, forget about what, what you're watching on the floor. They're in a category completely on their own, and Giannis is actually even higher than anyone else. I mean, it, it's it's absurd to me when you talk about a two-time MVP, and I know that there is this voter fatigue, and I know that people want you to continue to get to another level, another level. I don't think that it's completely out of the question to suggest that he has done that if you're watching the games, but the, the numbers are MVP caliber, there's no doubt. Yeah. I don't know uh, how much stock you put in the basketball reference MVP tracker, but it's insane right now that just in the last 24 hours, Giannis's probability there. So they put together a top 10 list of candidates and it ranks them based on a model that basketball reference has built which is based on previous voting results yesterday after the game uh, or yesterday leading up to the game, Giannis was the leader in this MVP tracker. And I think he was at like 23% today. He's had 31% probability of winning the MVP number one in the league. It's Giannis, Nikola Jokic, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant are the top four. And then you see a sizable drop off after that. But I think Nikola Jokic, what he's done this year, he's been perhaps even better than he was last year when he won it. But I think he's going to run into the same problem that Giannis had last year where you can – with Giannis, it was two years in a row. But then you got to go deep in the playoffs and you got to get to the finals. Otherwise, we're just kind of done with you. What Giannis did in the finals last year was is basically his get-out-of-jail-free card in the MVP vote that 
We entered last year saying he won two in a row, and it was two disappointing uh, ends and exits in the playoffs for the Bucs, so he's out of consideration. And after he did that, came back from that knee injury, did what he did in the finals, did what he did in game six, he's right back in any discussion. And now you look at what the Warriors are doing. If the Bucs, I mean, not even finish with the best record in the East, but if this continues to be a three-way race between the Bucs, the Nets, and the Bulls that are all near the top of the Eastern Conference, and Giannis is continuing to do this, it's going to be, I think, either Giannis or Steph Curry. I mean, Kevin Durant has been great, but we're seeing James Harden start to play a lot better now as well, that I think that's going to take away some of Kevin Durant's votes. So this is probably going to end up being between Giannis and Steph Curry as we get to the second half of the season for who wins the MVP. Yeah, I think that's right. And again, it does come down to the voters and who the the wave of momentum, I guess, is behind. And the Warriors have had a lot of that this year because I guess the Warriors fatigue is over and now everyone's enjoying Steph, what he's doing, including me, by the way. Uh, So I think he's been spectacular. Uh, I will say LeBron's starting to get a bit of attention now, but you know, to me, just to me, um, just because it's LeBron, we don't need to forget about what's been basically a rule forever. If your team is mediocre, which is exactly what the Lakers are right now, there is a long way to go. But if you're in a mediocre team, uh, you you can't win the MVP. So I don't think that he should be in the discussion until the Lakers prove that they're a team that are competitive on a nightly basis. They're hovering around 500 right now. So for me, I wouldn't put LeBron in that conversation yet, despite the fact he's doing absurd things. It's a long season. I have my concerns that he's even having to do all this stuff in the first place. But as far as Giannis goes, just some of the other numbers. I mean, at the rim, which is just this absolutely ridiculous number um, that that he was able to get to, but still elite, seventy-seven percent. Nothing else has really changed in terms of the, the shooting percentages. They're all really the same. The mid range is at thirty-seven. That's been about right. Twenty-eight percent from three. That's a little bit down. Sixty-nine percent at the free throw line. It's nice, but it's not great. Uh, so there's a bunch of different numbers there that are that are very much the same. But he's passing. He's on track to have his best assist season uh, of his career so far. His turnovers are down and the usage has gone up and, and he still hasn't lost any of that efficiency in terms of how he's running the offense. So Giannis should be right in the conversation. He's been absolutely elite. Uh, speaking of elite, though, Bill Barr is absolutely elite. And Justin, I saw I was tagged in an Instagram post yesterday <laughs> and it looked like uh, there had been a special delivery of uh, Bill Bars. either It was either to yourself or, or I don't know who it was to, but it looked great. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I mean, everybody's getting in on the Bilt Bar craze. I just got a, a delivery the other day too. Well, I mean, it's it's the only way to go. Right? Particularly now that we're into the new year. Uh, if you want to be healthy, you want to get fit, everyone has all these goals. I don't particularly you know, go into the new year with any goals, but I know a lot of people do. Uh, so you should be doing that with Built Bar if that is your goal. It tastes better than a candy bar and it's healthy. It makes it easy to stick to the resolution, whatever yours may be. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein, and uh, that that compares. It's much better than any type of other protein bar, candy bar, whatever it is. They, these are This is the way to go for you, and you know we've got a great offer just use LOCKED15 as your code for 15% off at built.com. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Well, I have to remind everyone about the Locked On Now podcast. And uh, I've said this, but I, we do these little clips on social media. You'll see me put my one up on Twitter, just a little one-minute grab uh, post-game. It's a quick wrap-up. 
lead into the post-game show. Uh, the network is putting them all together. So if you wake up in the morning and listen to Locked On Bucks first, obviously, but then you want to know what else happened around the NBA, uh, you can listen to Locked On now and they will catch you up uh, with everything that you need to. The other player we need to talk about is Drew Holiday. Uh, he has been on one hell of a tear here the last few weeks. It's been so fun to watch. Uh, part of it has been the fact that he's kind of been forced to step up because of the absences the Bucks have had. He did that perfectly. But all-star voting is open. Last year, I think I was pretty strong on the fact that I just couldn't see a way that he could get into the all-star team. Uh, we thought you know, Chris Middleton was going to be there with the guards that were still playing in the East at that point in time. It looked difficult. But I do really think major case, a major case for Drew Holiday to be an all-star. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, obviously the, the elephant in the room too is no Kyrie kind of opens the door a little bit Open for uh, Drew Holiday. Yeah, Ben Simmons too. Yeah, absolutely. That those are two big fan vote getters that paved the way there. And just with what Drew's done this year. Now, last year, it was it was difficult on a lot of fronts. I mean, it was Drew Holiday learning a new team and teammates. And he said himself midway through the season that you know it it took uh, half the season for him to get very comfortable in that new system where guys were and what his role in that was going to be. And it took guys like Chris and Giannis telling him. And we need you to be the aggressive guy that takes over. So you saw that in the second half. And, you know, we've seen it this year, as you said, quite a bit out of necessity for one. And I think just comfort as well. But you've you've definitely noticed this is the guy that we saw in the playoffs last year. And really in the last two games of that Hawks series and in the finals, that's the version of Drew Holiday we're getting. I feel like he has been an all-star this year. And obviously what we mentioned just a couple of seconds ago there with, with Kyrie and Ben Simmons, especially that should help his case. But, you know, he's clearly been the second best player for the Bucks this season. And, um, you know, I, I think it's certainly a warranted case for him. And it, it feels like this is the year that all these things kind of fell into place for Drew Holiday, that you had players on his own team missing some time with injuries and health and safety protocols. You had a couple of point guards out in the Eastern Conference as well. And, and he's put together one of the best seasons of his career. So the numbers for December, 21.3 points per game, 7.3 assists, doing that on 56-43 and 71 shooting splits. The free throws are always a little bit iffy with juries. So normally hovers around the high 70s. has been a bit below that so far this year. The thing that I love, though, and I saw Frank was tweeting out some numbers this morning just based on his shooting for the season. And I think on the year, I believe he's at around 60% at the rim, which is well below the 66 he was at. Uh, last year, but uh, since December 1st, he's actually been 65% at the rim. And I remember when we were having the conversation and you know discussing it with Frank and, and I was kind of like, well, I'm just not concerned about Drew Holiday shooting at the rim at the moment because it's actually just so bizarre, some of these shots yeah. that he's missing. It was just so strange to me that I'm like, this has to turn around at some point. He's going to start uh, stop missing these bunnies. Maybe it was part of it was legs coming into the season, a little bit fatigued. We know he had a, a bit of an injury uh, interrupted start as well, calf, foot, all these these types of things that were bothering him. Um, I think there was there was some ankle stuff in there as well. He had a, a number of niggles to start the year anyway, which can affect, I guess, uh, taking off shooting, whatever it may be. Um, but the the other, apart from the stuff at the rim, he's sixty one percent on short mid range shots in that span as well. And you, I can just picture it in my head. He gets puts the ball on the floor, gets to his spot, little bump, turn around, little mini fadeaway. It doesn't feel like he's ever going to miss that shot. And his touch is incredible. He gets that soft bounce on the rim rolls around a little bit, drops in. He's got good touch around the basket, but it's been fun to see him bounce back in those areas in particular. 
No, it's uh, it seems so automatic when he goes to that uh, uh, turnaround out of the post, and he has such a high arc on that shot too that it just seems so bizarre. But it goes in it seemingly every time, and you know every year or every year every game. Uh, we get a chance to hear from the opposing coaches. And it, it was interesting because I think for the first two or so years, maybe even the first three years, the majority of Bud's early tenure, every coach that would come in um, or every team that would come in, every opponent, the the opposing beat writers would always ask Bud about Giannis. And, you know, what's that relationship? And when did you know he was special? And, and things along that nature. But now this year, it started to become Drew Holiday, that the opposing teams are always asking about Drew Holiday. And that transfers over when we hear from the opposing coaches that everybody is asked about Drew Holiday, and especially the last game against the Pelicans because Willie Green was his teammate. And Willie Green, you know, talking about very early on, you could just notice I played with Drew Holiday his rookie year in Philadelphia, and we all commented that his IQ was off the charts as a rookie, and he came in every day and wanted to get better we all kind of noticed and talked about how he just absorbed everything. And he, he threw himself in the film room and just wanted to learn all aspects of the game. And midway through the season, he was our starting point guard. So you hear all these little anecdotes and Willie Green, especially talking about how, you know, we have to be mindful of where Drew Holiday is at all times because he's a guy that can disrupt the game. He's physical and he defends multiple positions. And um, now you're hearing more and more coaches say, Hey, uh, we got to make sure he doesn't go to his left because that's when he's lethal and everybody kind of thinks, well, he must be a right-handed point guard or a right-handed guy just because you don't see Drew Holiday taking left-handed shots. But we see when he goes in one-handed, it's always left. So Willie Green was the first to point out, hey, actually, we got to be careful about his left and make sure he doesn't get to go there. But it's just been interesting to hear all the opposing coaches and media uh, for the opposing teams this year, it's it's all been Drew Holiday that they want to talk about and ask questions about and hearing what every single coach has to say about Drew Holiday and how much he is an equal part of their game plan as Giannis is. So I think one of the reasons why I want to see him have the reward of being an all-star again so much is just because he always has been kind of overlooked. And, and it's not that everyone knows that he's a great player. And as you pointed to in the opposition this year, maybe it's ramped up. They won the title. They're the focus of the league. But even in years gone by, whether he was playing in New Orleans, uh, opposition players and opposition coaches would always respect him. In a lot of ways, it's kind of similar to Chris Middleton, where when when we would go to pregame press conferences or whatever it may be, uh, coaches would always be quick to say, okay, let's talk about Chris Middleton a little bit here as well. He's a guy that's an all-star caliber player. He eventually got that recognition, and, and I hope he does again, Chris, as well, for everything that he did last year in the postseason. But for Drew, I just feel like it's well and truly overdue uh, that he gets some of this, some of this kudos. I mean, he got the all defensive team. I think he's probably a lock again for that this year, just based on everything that he has done and he's doing through this regular season. But let's get this guy an all star jersey. It's been a long time. He probably should have deserved them uh, previously, but it's difficult in the Western Conference. Last year was pretty stacked as well, but I think this year's the year. And uh, and you know, he's still got plenty of basketball left in him. But there are some awards to rack up for Drew Holiday. I think. Yeah, it was, uh, what, 2013, I think, was his all-star trip. So, I mean, if he gets in this year, you're closing in on a decade in between all-star births. I mean, we talk about Mike Conley and the story that it was for him to finally get there as the commissioner's replacement last year. But for Drew Holiday, it's kind of a similar story if he does, in fact, get there, that 
you know, he got in very early in his career and then goes nine years later and and gets, you know, the admiration of his peers all along the way. And it, it took nearly a decade, we hope, for him to get back into the All-Star game. So speaking of that, and we've spoken a lot about illness and the, the COVID protocols uh, over the last few weeks, just because it's been impossible to avoid. As far as the Bucks update goes, the uh, we know Thanasis went in over the weekend, uh, so he'll still be in protocols there. Giannis was giving some some advice on on what Thanasis could do. Thanasis is in there for the second time, actually, so he's a, he's a veteran yeah. in this case, but hopefully he's feeling well. But the other player that bounced back a little bit yesterday had 16 points, uh, but he was listed as uh, illness on the injury report a lot, which it, in these times, it's like illness. Is there possibly another illness outside of COVID? Yes, there is. People can still get sick. Uh, he lost a bunch of weight, he revealed after the game last night. Uh, and you can understand if you go through something like that where you're not really sure what's wrong, you're just feeling kind of kind of rough, kind of down, you lose a bunch of weight. It's probably a reasonable excuse that you might have a, a quiet week or two. He certainly did that, but it was nice to see Grayson Allen not only knocking down the threes, but doing some of the other stuff we've seen. He had a really, really nice reverse finish there on, on a baseline drive. Um, so it was just cool to see him bounce back. And and that's that's a tough thing that he obviously went through. Seven pounds, I believe, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. And yeah, we've seen him do that a couple of times. Um, and I think he surprised some fans early with his ability to put the ball on the floor and create his own shot. But um, he, I'm not going to say these next few weeks are big for Grayson, but he... Um, it's it's big for the team because you know we talked about when Chris returned from uh, health and safety protocols. Grayson Allen went on a tear when Chris Middleton was out, and when he came back, one of the first things we all talked about was okay, he's got to figure out where he fits in with this offense when they're at full strength. And when you got Drew and Chris and Giannis and Bobby Portis and his emergence, so now when you introduce Dante Divincenzo back in the mix, I know he won't be there. Uh, tomorrow, today against the Pistons and wasn't there over the weekend, but that's still another variable. These are the weeks for Grayson Allen to kind of figure out how do I play off of Dante? How do I play, you know, alongside these guys? Because we've seen him when it was just Giannis and Grayson Allen, he put up some big numbers and the numbers dipped off a little bit when Chris returned. But, you know, early on in that return, he was still getting into rhythm and it, it's obviously going to be very difficult for him to get that rhythm. He's not going to get anywhere near the volume. He got the first month of the season. So it's just going to be big for Grayson Allen to kind of stay ready and, and find where he fits in this offense and how he can get some of those same looks. And it's, you know, things that guys like Pat Connaughton and Dante himself have all kind of had to adjust to throughout the last couple of years. So these are the, the, the spots in the schedule where, you know, this is the perfect time to figure those things out. You really, have a pretty soft January. Once again, there's a big matchup at the end of the week and there's a big bowl showdown near the end of the month, but it remains a, a pretty easy schedule for the bucks through January. So these are kind of the spots where you want to have to figure those things out. So once you are, we hope full strength and that schedule gets tougher, you've already kind of worked through some of those things. Still so strange that the Bucks have avoided their central division rivals, Chicago Bulls, for so long, but they're going to get closely acquainted over the next couple of months here and then potentially in the postseason as well. Those are going to be some fun games. Uh, you mentioned Dante DiVincenzo, we should say, uh, spraying the ankle in warm-ups. Uh, just really sucks. Can we just get this guy healthy? Uh, he was about to come back. He had his stint in the protocols, came back, started doing some nice things, and then he's hurt his ankle. So we'll see what happens there. He definitely needs some luck. I guess the other thing we should bring up here, uh, Mike Budenholzer, 400 wins, 
clearly has been racking them up since he came to Milwaukee as well. We know he had a, a you know, it's some successful seasons in Atlanta, but certainly here in Milwaukee, it's it's gone to the next level consistently year over year, winning a bunch of regular season games. But 400 games is a lot. And uh, again, we always say this, but for a guy that um, a few months ago, let's say mid postseason run, uh, the strong speculation was that out the way they did, um, this is this has been fun. And I personally enjoy seeing Bud uh, happy, relaxed, and seemingly uh, maybe a little little less stressed than he was at one point. Well, yeah, and it was, um, I think there's 11 or there's 10 active coaches that have more wins than Bud. And, you know, early in his career, the success that he had in Atlanta, it's kind of like the whole Giannis MVP discussion that we had before where it was like, Great, but you know, do it when it counts. And people kind of discounted what he did with the Hawks. And I'm I'm sure if you're Atlanta, you're like, hey, uh, we would certainly love that success again. Uh, yeah, they got to the conference finals last year, but it's tough to find. I mean, we've seen in Milwaukee how tough it is to find until the Bucks finally won the title last year. Um, but still, I mean, I think it is worth pointing out how much he has had sustained success since he has been an NBA coach. And I know he's coached one more year, but the guy closest to him in wins for active coaches is Steve Kerr, who has three more wins than Bud. Bud's coached one more year, and and Kerr had, what, a year and a half or two lean years in Golden State. But think about the pace that Steve Kerr was winning games at early in his career. And Mike Budenholzer is right there on his heels for most wins in a pretty comparable span time frame of coaching career. I mean, that's the success that he's had. And winning the title last July kind of elevates him where now people kind of say, okay, yeah, let's give him a little more credit for what he did in Atlanta. Yeah, I wasn't sure how last year was going to pan out, but certainly long-time listeners of the podcast will know that I was pretty strongly pushing the the idea or the the theory that you know, coaching for someone that sits in, in my chair or, or your chair, even though we we think we, we watch the game closely and whatever – trying to determine the impact of coaching is, is such a difficult thing and trying to determine who is a good coach and who is not a good coach. They're all made it to the NBA. All these guys are great. A lot of it is talent, a lot of, and, and some of it is luck as well. But the one thing I will say is when you've got a coach like Mark Budenholzer that has the record that he has, uh, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And, and getting rid of someone like that just for the sake of bringing in a, an untried coach, which a lot of people were pushing for, to me didn't make a lot of sense. So I'm glad that they were able to get over the hump I'm glad now that he is, you know, somewhat secure in his job. You would have to believe, certainly for the foreseeable future. So it's cool to see for Bud, and I'm sure, you know, he's going to be around long enough to pick up win 500, and and who knows uh, beyond there. Well, we certainly hope so. Anyway, uh, I guess as we wrap it up, did you did you think uh, were you surprised that that Giannis uh, dropped a triple double, and then was uh, wondering where I was? Did, did... <laughs> That. How much did you pay him to say that? Yeah, what I, did you have to get for that plug? Because that's did, like the third time he's mentioned you. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I, someone did say, "Is it cameo?" It's not cameo. I'm far too much of a tight ass to to pay for that. I don't know. I think when you have a random Australian hanging around the team for a number of years, <laughs> it, you you become kind of memorable. But I tell you what, the other thing I will say, uh, it did remind me of because sometimes in my head I'm like, why does this guy like even remember my name? Like, who, like who the hell am I for this person to remember? Right? I mean, he's. You know, well, he is a wrestling fan, as we know, so he probably oh, well, ties the two together. Well, I actually was thinking, so I read the Giannis book, the Mirren Fade is Giannis book, actually, and there was a uh, 
there was a part in that story and i can't remember exactly to to bring the details of this but there was a buck staffer or someone that was just like i can't believe like Giannis remembered my name or something like yeah. that so it, it is true so again you know some, justin you know like sometimes people will be like what's what is the honest like in real life and i'm like well he is what he is in front of the camera exactly, like, yeah. there's literally no reason for him to remember my name but um just a great bloke i don't know how else to, how else to describe it well, look, it's it's great that Giannis has uh, name dropped you and asked where you are a couple of times, but you'll know, you'll really know you made it when you get the same type of question and reaction from Bud. Because Giannis is a gregarious enough and outgoing guy where he'll joke around and do that. But when you can get Bud letting his hair down and saying, where is Kane? Why isn't Kane in the room? Then you know you've really made an impact. That's not going to happen. And <laughs> by the way, Lovely, always lovely to me, bud, but no, I, I can't see that one happening <laughs> at all. And as you pointed out, it's just like our friend Matt Velasquez as well. So you know, shout out to Giannis for just being a respectful young man. And I can call him a young man. I'm actually older than him, which uh, you know, to me is still a little bit uh, a little bit crazy to think about. But anyway, good on him. What a good fella. Bucks and the Pistons play tomorrow. Uh, before you watch that, uh, you might want to check out the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. I'll have you covered with everything you need from a betting perspective that's Locked On Bets. But uh, Bucks and Pistons, there's a long winning streak on the line there, Justin. They've got to wrap that up. You'll be there. Uh, just, you know, I, I know that the Pistons and Bucks aren't always the most exciting matchups, but, you know, find something exciting to potentially bring to the table later on in the week. Uh, how does that sound? Yeah, we'll see what Jordan Wara can do again. And we'll see if Hamadou Diallo can continue to carry on this hot streak he's had for the Pistons. We'll see. Sadiq Bay, I think, had a game winner the other night. Yeah. So shout out to the Pistons, you know. There's been plenty of former Bucks playing for them in recent years. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how they go tomorrow. Hopefully the Bucks pick up another win. Six game winning streaks, trying to extend that to seven. We'll be back post game. Uh, but for now, for Justin and myself, thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys tomorrow.